Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, how are you doing? How are you coping with this new normal that we have globally? I do hope that you're trying to stay safe and I will start off by saying that if you are having any issues in terms of any previous mental health conditions that you have or you're just feeling general anxiety because of all the uncertainty, please listen to episode 54. My friend Wangoi, who is a clinical psychologist, shared some really amazing tips on how you can maintain your mental well-being during this I don't even know what to call this time, man. It's just strange. <laughs> it's just so strange. But welcome to episode 56. A little later in the episode, you will hear a story from Marcus. One of the things he highlights is his experience as a creative in a very super traditional, super conventional, super toxic workplace. And I know that's something that very many of us can identify with. You know, those workplaces where there's like one way to do things. It doesn't matter if it's not an efficient way, they're not looking for new ideas or they stifle the creative or they're just outrightly toxic and how he eventually ended up quitting. You guys felt his story. (laughs) So relatable. I'm not even throwing shade, but it's just so relatable. It's a story of so many people. I think not even only creatives, just so many people stacking jobs that are just... Anyway, that's coming up later in the episode. So I'm going to start off with the song of the week. And let me tell you, first and foremost, I love that Legally Clueless is my safe space because very many people think I have strange taste in music. In fact, being on traditional radio for 10 years was so hard for me because half of the songs that I wanted to play on my shows were never allowed onto the station because to paraphrase most of my bosses, they weren't the station's sound. So I ended up listening to a lot of pop music while I'm at work. Not that pop music is horrible, but the music that I listen to on a day-to-day, I think pop music is probably like 30 to 40%. The other stuff that I listen to, especially if I'm writing or if I'm trying to get some work done, is definitely not pop music or what you will hear on the radio. So the song this week is by Simfiwe Dana. She's from South Africa. I absolutely love her. I absolutely have no idea what this song means. It's called Ndiredi. I'm going to put a link to it in the description. But there's just something about the harmonies, especially, whoo, and how they just kick in. Oh my God. Okay, I have to listen to the song again after I finish recording this episode. But check it out. Let me know what you think. And you can share what your song of the week is via the podcast hotline, which is in the description box as well. I think sharing music is like a huge connection point, right? It's like a love language. (laughs) So if you like me even, maybe not love, if you like me, (laughs) please send me music. (laughs) Prove it by sending me music. Anyway, so last off, where did we leave off? Tuesday, this last week, which is the 31st of March, Marked eight years since my mom had died. So last week's episode, I was very... I don't know if you guys could tell from my voice. I wasn't doing too well. And I explained exactly where my emotions were. I I just really missed my mom. And I still miss her right now. 
And so Tuesday was pretty tough for me, but I am so, and I keep on saying this, having a brilliant support system is amazing. And my support system has been so small for so long that I'm just so overwhelmed that people who listen to this podcast, some strangers, some actual friends did reach out to me. So a big shout out to everybody who sent me DMs. Somebody even sent me a prayer. I mean... That just was so amazing. Um, The comments on the various platforms that this podcast is on. Thank you so much. I woke up to a message that was sent to me at 6 a.m. by my friend who listens to the podcast as well. Shout out to you, Lonzi. Also on Tuesday, I spoke to my sisters, which is so therapeutic. They're my best friends. The sister I follow, so I'm the last one. We're three in total. The sister I follow, her name is Amanda. And she on our WhatsApp group was like, you know, I really do miss mommy, but I'm so thankful that she gifted me you too. And I was just like, oh my God. And yes, of course I did cry because I am the crier. (laughs) Actually, out of all three sisters, I'm not the crier, but standing alone, I am a crier. So when it comes to looking out for my three sisters, the eldest one cries faster than any of us, <laughs> Anne Marie. I think Amanda. Does Amanda cry? Yeah, Amanda cries. I try to suck it up when I'm around them because I go into defense mode to kind of like oh, I need to take care of them. But anyway, I did cry when she sent that message because it was just so sweet. I spent the day writing letters to my mom. I've been doing that for years now. It's kind of how I cope. I told one of my friends about it and he was like, hmm, maybe you should make that into like a memoir or a book. I'm not too sure because sometimes you need to do things or activities because you like to do those things. Not everything should be a project or a business. I don't think we do enough things or hobbies just because we like them. Everything has to be this big showcase or big project. And it doesn't have to be that way. So I'm not too sure about that. And then I got enough energy to check up on you on my Insta, on my Facebook. Not on Twitter, because sometimes Twitter just gets to be a lot for me, to be quite frank. (laughs) But later on in the week, I did ask on Instagram how people are coping. And the responses were so overwhelming. So... You know how we're saying people should stay at home if you have that privilege of being able to work from home or maybe your school or your office allows you the space to be able to work or engage with the curriculum or the lecturers from home. Yeah, stay home. But then I came across a report that was done and it was actually the chief justice who was saying there has been an increase over the past two weeks, well, three weeks now, in the cases of sexual violence, especially domestic violence and molestation. And my heart was just like, come on. And this, by the way, is something that's happening globally. It's not just a Kenyan thing. So many activists in the space around sexual violence have been saying it for a long time that homes are not safe. Like women are not safe on the streets and they're also not safe at home. It's heartbreaking. It really is. I want to give out some resources, actually, because based on the, the, the responses that I got, I feel like people need access to interventions or tools that can help them during this time. 
And so there's a toll-free number. I actually tested it and it works that you can call if you know somebody or even if it's you who's experiencing violence or abuse at home. The number is 1195. There's a counseling number in case you need to talk to somebody. That's 1190. And then there's a child line number, which is 116. I posted these numbers on my Instagram, but I'll also put them in the description box as well. I did get a few comments from photographers who are saying, you know, there are no jobs. All the gigs are being postponed, obviously, because people can't gather together. And for photographers, I randomly came across this resource. It's the Photographer Fund. And it's a $25,000 fund to help photographers who've been impacted by Corona. And it's by these guys called Format. I'm not a photographer, but they are a platform that deals with photographers. And the good thing, it's uh, anyone in the world can access this fund. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to that fund in the description box as well. I hope it comes through for you. From the responses, there have also been a lot of like salary cuts, job losses, and we really need to be able to help each other out. There's so many emotions that I'm feeling and I know you're feeling as well, one of which is helplessness. Like you read all of these stories or you know friends who have been impacted directly and you're just like, what can I do to make this situation better? I keep saying this in every episode. Start with the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis. How can you help them? When it comes to things that are essential like food, we all rushed to stock up our homes. What about your scary? What about the, the people who help you clean? What about your neighbor? What about your friend who has a small business and has, has to shut down? Are their homes stocked? So I teamed up with Safaricom to give you a way of helping people who don't have the luxury of working from home. Maybe they rely on daily wages, people who have lost their jobs because businesses are scaling down or even lost their entire businesses. So if you're a Safaricom user, you know you have bonga points, right? Well, now you can transfer those bonga points to people who are in need of food items or essential items to be able to buy those things using bonga points. And they can use those bonga points in any store that has a Lipa Nayempesa till to buy food stuff and other essential products. So all you have to do is dial star 126 hash and then select transfer bonga points. Enter the phone number that you want to transfer the bonga points to, then enter the amount of bonga points you want to transfer, enter your bonga pin, and then confirm details and send. Literally, it's going to take you all of seconds to do this, and you will have impacted someone's life, impacted their family's lives, and you will have done your part in helping look out for other Kenyans. So the person who you've transferred the bonga points to can use those points to get food items, other essential items at any shop that has a Lipa Nayem Pesa till. So once they get the bonga points you've transferred to them and they're at, you know, the supermarket, they're getting their food items and they are at the till, all they have to do to pay is just dial star one to six hash, select Lipa Nabonga. Then enter the till number that they're paying to, enter the amount of money, and then confirm details and they will have stocked their house. I think this is brilliant because sometimes you want to help. You don't know how to. You don't have the money needed to help, like the actual cash. And maybe even just as friends, 
somebody in your squad has lost their job or their business, you can gang together and send them bunga points and they'll be able to access food items during this very, as I said, strange times that we're in. I checked out how many bunga points I have. I have 16,441, which amounts to about 4,932 shillings. It's a good amount of money to actually do some shopping for someone. And then I was like, maybe I need to top it up. So I asked my husband, hey, we check your bongo points. And he is like so low on bongo points. He has 1,811 bongo points. But if he gives me his, because his amounts about 543 bob. If he gives me his, I'll be at about 5,000 bob. So actually, I'll be at more than 5,000 bob. Mm-hmm. Definitely jacking his. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to transfer them to Mary. Mary helps us with cleaning and and she's just such a sweet soul. So we've already done shopping for her household, but all her kids are home. And you know when kids are home, you go through food much faster. So we're going to transfer our bonga points to her. So I hope that gives you another way of helping and helps ease that feeling of helplessness Um, that we have. I want to jump into the 100 African story this week. I mentioned earlier, the storyteller is Marcus, who talks about very many things growing up in Ruaka, when Ruaka, which is an area in Kenya, right now it's full of like apartment blocks and it's pretty urbanized. But when he grew up there, it was pretty rural. And I think maybe it contributed to him discovering his inner writer. But I think this story will really resonate with you, especially when it comes to being a creative, trying to explain to your folks that you want to pursue a creative career and also being a creative in a super traditional, super toxic workspace, which is just, yo, unfortunately, a challenge many of us identify with. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. My name is Marcus Olang. Born, raised in Kenya. I have been actually in Kenya all my life up until this point. Farm raised. I grew up without electricity for a vast majority of my childhood. So reading was my thing. That was my form of entertainment. So I, I learned from a very early age how to how to draw pictures in my mind using words and therefore how to use words to draw pictures. So then by association, uh, writing became my default thing. Yes, I was born in Nairobi, but grew up in Roy. Roy at that point in time was outside of Nairobi. Right now you can get to it. You can get to Roy from the city center in say 45 minutes. At that point in time, it was a good in peak traffic hours, three to four hours. And that was around the time when Kenya Power, then KPLC, was still doing their rural electrification project. So this was properly <laughs> rural. We lived half an hour's walk from a sewage. Mimi. <laughs> like, the shopping center was around the sewage works. As a kid, my writing was... I didn't have a particular thing that I used to write about. Um, I remember once upon a time, for instance, uh, we were tasked with doing a composition 
you know in primary school how you'd be told write a composition starting with the words ta 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 um so i remember once upon a time i wrote a story it was a typical exam scenario you have was it 40 minutes or an hour to complete your composition then when the results were coming back i was called back into the staff room then the teacher asked where did you copy this story from so i'm seated there or standing actually because at that point it was rude to sit when your teacher was talking to you or you're calling for a beating uh, i'm standing there and wondering wait where is this coming from so i insist I very vehemently insist i didn't copy it yeah. from anywhere and the teacher said no this is too good for it not to have been copied so there was a whole okay fine i'll write another one yeah. actually now that i speak about it i think from that point it evolved one level up from being just about the love of exploring my imagination to I'm going to prove a point. Mm. I started writing publicly around 2007 mm. um and that was when Facebook was also just starting to pick up. So they had this very popular notes feature where a lot of us would write about our heartbreaks and how we are disappointed in life and about how um such a girl or such a boy has broken my heart and therefore I'm going through this dark phase and everything is painful and I hate everything. I should write prose and stories simply. It was I pick a subject um I remember at some point I wrote erotica. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> I I just pick a subject, I'd pick a story, I'd pick an observation. Mm-hmm. A lot of it would be centered around uh, a character mm-hmm. and go from that. So I started with that the Facebook notes feature and then it started uh, my profile started gaining popularity. I was an influencer at the time. <laughs> hey. Um so it started gaining uh popularity and with that Uh, I started exploring blogging. What was the blogging platform at the time? Was it blog.com? No, there was one before. Blogger. There was blogger.com, the Google one. And then went to, I think, blog.com, then typepad.com, and then WordPress. I didn't think at that point in time that I could make a living out of writing. Which, a part of me kind of still thinks at this point in time. However, my current point of view has changed changed slightly in this form so i'll say what my current point of view is then move it back there um currently i view my writing as one of the tools in my arsenal in as much as i'm not directly being commissioned to write pieces my writing is still at the core of what i'm doing with uh my different platforms my different pieces of work with my thus far up until now with my strategy work with um current stories as well writing is at the heart of that with my photography at the moment um what i'm doing is yes there is a still imagery but i'm pairing that with a story as well so it is paying but not by itself it's always as a tool that is helping something else at that point in time i didn't think that it would because you know when something is repeated to you enough times you kind of believe it and at that point in time i start this with the disclaimer i love my parents okay <laughs> i don't think i would be the human being in fact i know for a fact i would not be the human being that i am today yeah. without them for both biological reasons and <laughs> psychological mental reasons i wouldn't be who i am today without them i also don't fault them for the belief that was largely held by a lot of our parents at the time that there is a designated path to being an adult mm. go to school graduate get a job 
get married, la da 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 da. There is a path. Now me, who has come out of high school, I have started, I have discovered this thing called Facebook. So I'm always on my phone. Let's start from there. I have, in fact, started diverting funds and saving money and walking home from class so that I can save money for better phones as time is going along. So there was a bit of tension in our relationship at that point in time between my parents and I. I remember at some point one of them asking, yes, you're doing these things, but how will they help you in life? Um, Which, again, I don't fault them for because different times, different rules. Um, But because I am a stubborn human being, listen, okay? Or even if you don't listen, it's fine. I'll do what I'm doing. Where is it leading? I don't exactly know, but I'm following my gut. The, the one, the experience that comes to mind that for me, because my instinctive reaction is that there are very many things that built up. But the one that comes to mind at this point that stood out and told me that a particular space isn't necessarily suited to my writing or my exploration of, because I consider my writing an exploration of human experience and human psyche and how we think, yeah. both as individual and as, as a society, would be in agency. So I joined agency with the grand idea that I would be at the heart of shaping minds across the country and in different countries across the continent. Yeah. Because you're working with people and in organizations and with organizations that have a massive footprint. Think about any big name in Kenya today. I have worked with them. So I go into agency thinking, wow, I have a chance to shape the narrative, touch lives across the... Oh. (laughs) Uh, Your job here is to write copy. That client will approve, okay? Based on what the client thinks is right. You and your lofty storytelling things, please, sit aside. <laughs> Again, for me, my writing is a storytelling tool. My photography, everything I do is, what's the story we are telling here? What's the drive? What's, where are we going with this? And then when you come and you're told, yeah, we need to improve sales by 50%. Come up with a campaign that improves sales by 50%. Which is very possible. Very possible. My school of thinking is you only do that by actually actively changing lives. Mm. So you need to create a story that Mm. empowers a person and makes them feel, oh my goodness, I am worthy of being a part of this grander narrative. As opposed to, here, I have a promo. So I'm currently consulting with an agency, yes. But the previous agency I was with was a full-time gig. Um, And my decision to leave that was one that was building up over time. I Backstory. Because I am Kenyan, as Kenyans, we have this thing collectively that we are raised with that teaches you how to endure regardless of what's happening. Vumilia, my friend. It will be all fine in the end. Whether it's... So depending on what school of thought you're from, I see it as a collective of different things. It's how we are raised, how the school system teaches us. The fact that the vast majority of our experience is centered around this, loosely speaking, Christian experience. But our version of the Christian experience is you need to suffer for you to be worthy or succeed. or So you have to, have to, as a rule, suffer. And if you don't endure this suffering then you're not worthy of the success that is coming. Whether Oh, blessing is what I was looking for. For the blessing that is coming. Hallelujah! Precisely 
because of that kind of upbringing that it is inherent in me as a Kenyan, there are a lot of things that I am able to overlook and a lot of things that I am able to live with. Um, so there are a lot of things that were happening over time and I genuinely feel, and based on even different conversations that I've had with different people, there was a heavy culture. And as is true, as, as is true of a lot of agencies in Kenya, because that's the experience that I am aware of and that I know of, a lot of abuse and, and a lot of gaslighting in the name of either respect the chain of command or abide by the rules that we have uh, instilled or installed in this particular space. And those are things that I was able to live with for a very long time. But the one breaking point for me was sometime in, was it March of the year I left that agency? My, my grandma had just died. So it, it, it threw me off completely. And it threw me off in part because family to me is a very important thing. I associate a lot of good memories with being uh, in Shags. For example, one of the memories that I have is this, this will be a very basic thing. Upcountry, there is water that comes from Managulu, a port, that sits in the corner of a room. And it's always mounted on a three-legged stool. Three-legged stool, corner of the room, brown agulu, covered with a sufuria nini, uh, an aluminium cover. That water, I know the people who say water doesn't have a taste. I reject this thinking violently. Water has a taste. And it can be a beautiful taste. And that water was the best taste on the planet. I don't care what you say. I don't care. You can cook the best meal on the planet. That water is the absolute best thing that you will ever taste. It's perfectly chilled. There, is a, there was just a... Per- it was like a science. Eh? The, between the taste itself, the temperature, it was just a perfect thing. And it used to be um, one of two things. There was either a metallic cup that you, <laughs> you you fill your cup with or a plastic, a big plastic cup that had three rings at the top, three rings at the bottom and it was an old one that was also used sometimes to serve tea. So <laughs> that, that for me was one of the things and memories that I feel like I lost. And it, it, it just, for me, it was a sense of a loss of childhood. So it's, this, this I started to break down a whole lot later after that. So I feel now that the loss of my grandma then for me was a loss of some parts of my childhood that I really loved and enjoyed. And in addition to that, the fact that I saw, I visibly saw how much it tore my mom apart because I would call her in the evenings and I would hear her voice. And Mothers have this thing where they try to be strong for their children, but at some point in time, with the benefit of adulthood, you can hear what they're going through. Um, so that, that, so a lot was going through my mind at that time. And then as all this is happening, I've told people in the office what's happened, I'm about to travel uh, the following day, I'm now traveling up country for her burial. And then out of the blue, a tirade about a presentation that we need to completely rework because 
the boss then was not happy with how it was. Keep in mind, this is a brief that we've had in-house for two weeks. The presentation is supposed to happen the following day. So we're doing our last-minute recap. And then with all the time and work that has gone in, with one fell swoop, someone comes and rubbishes all of your work. Plus, you going through the emotional turmoil of the loss of a loved one. Mentally, I disconnected at that point. And I don't remember what the subsequent event was, but I remember those, and I remember distinctly it was a Wednesday. But I remember at that point making the decision, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing next, but I do know that it is not here. At that point in time, the, the, the contract that was in place, you know the thing is people try to be clever with contact, contracts, not realizing that it can cut two ways. Eh? So when someone puts in your contract that... Uh, uh, you have, was it two weeks notice or one month notice? A lot of times the other party puts it in place thinking, oh, I can use this to cut you off at any point in time. At that point in time, went back to the contract, looked it through, like, aha, I see the loophole. Here it is. I will take advantage of it. I am resigning now. Leave days accrued. I'm taking them for two weeks. That means, effectively, I have five days left here. I will use, and I even detailed the entire plan. I will use these days to hand over the following projects. Pa, 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 this way it is, da, 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 da. I will negotiate. No, I'm done. I'm out. That is how my stint in full-time agency life ended. That ended my fear of not having a plan because I didn't know what my next step was going to be. I just knew on this particular in this particular chapter this is the end of this is the end of this particular chapter what's next let's let's figure it out as we're going along i, I and what that helped with as well is it changed my mindset from approaching life as something of an architectural plan to approaching life as something of a game of chess or scrabble you know what the end game is so for chess, for instance, because I enjoy playing chess, I know that my end game is I need to checkmate my player. But I don't know what the other players' moves are. I figure them out as I'm moving along. I know my pieces, I know my strengths, I know at what point to move the queen, at what point to move the knight, at what point to make a sacrifice. I know every... I can calculate based on the step at that particular time. So that marked a transition in how I thought about planning. So identify... What are my strong players? What can I sacrifice? What can I hedge for a while and make a massive queen sacrifice there for me to get a checkmate? So for me, that marked the shift in that form of thinking. However, photography didn't come in at that point in time. What happened at that point in time is there is a wonderful human being that uh, I still currently work with um, called Alan. This is a guy who... I had met incidentally very many uh, years ago. So I called him and said, uh, listen, this is what, this is where I am. I don't know what my next step is. What I do know is my strength is in conceptualization and things that I can, things I can put my hands on in terms of creation. If I am left to create and, and nurture and then hand over a thing that I have created at a point where it's able to live, that I do very well. So I was very clear and straightforward with him. And he is of a form of thinking that actually facilitates that kind of uh, growth, which is very rare um, in this Kenyan space. Um, so I started working with him at that point. 
um, and started consulting with uh, his company. So that was now step two in, okay, we don't need to have a plan, but we now need to have a vision. So at this point in time, I'm helping in creation and ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, but I now go back to starting to think about myself, who I am at my core, what are my strengths, what am I genuinely and truly good at. That helped in re-putting a renewed focus on what my vision would be. So for me, going back to my lofty dreams and ideas when I was going into agency to change millions of minds, I've always had a desire to allow each and every one of us, or at least give a space for each and every one of us to believe despite what our upbringing and society may teach us, to believe that we are our own unique people and we are worthy of living our existence in what is true of us. Which was one of the reasons why once upon a very long time ago, when a human who I consider a good friend gave me a call and said, Marcus, there's this radio station that is starting up and there are slots. Um, you can come and audition and then see where it goes. That human being, her name was, um, it, I, I lose it for, ah, yes, Adele Onyango. Yes, that is her. So when I was going into that space, that was one of my drives that if I'm going to make it on radio, if this actually does succeed, that every time I switch on that mic, even if I'm changing just one life, I will change it, even if it's just one. So that's where that uh, drive started. So the person I was dating at the time happened to also be a photographer. So she handed me her camera just here, have. And I remember taking a shot, just the first shot that I ever took. And at that point it clicked. This is something that I would much like to pursue so for a period in time i pursued it at that point in time from 2012 uh then went into radio africa beginning of 2013 so that period in time about one year in which i did photography um i learned a lot and then as soon as i joined full-time employment because at this point in time i was using it to as a stopgap uh when i joined radio africa in 2013 behind the scenes i sort of dropped off on that because now I had a full-time job that was sort of paying the bills. My phrasing of that is very deliberate, sort of. And so that got lost. That particular love got lost. So fast forward to 2017 and into 2018 where I'm in this space where I'm reevaluating myself and uh, figuring out what am I truly strong at. In between this entire period of time, between 2012 and 2017, I had been doing one annual gig of photography. There's an event uh, that raises funds and awareness for breast cancer by an organization called the Tuakutukuza Trust. So every year in October, they have a series of concerts. So every year without fail, I would borrow a friend's camera and go and shoot that event alone 2013, 2014, 2015, every year. So come back to 2017, I'm starting to evaluate what I am good at and I bring this back. And I think to myself, I want to tell stories. I want to tell people's stories, stories that matter. So I start exploring my photography side again. So that grows over 2017. My parents 
bless their souls at this point realize this one if you don't support him he'll burn a bridge so let's just buy him a camera so they buy me a kit to start off and uh, i start shooting my very first shoot with this new kit so i took loans let's start from there i went i went into mshwari which is Kenya's uh, M-Pesa's uh, loan system. And yeah, Mshwari, yes, mobile money uh, loan system. I go into Mshwari, take a loan. I go into KCB M-Pesa, take another loan. Put the two together, assemble a kit. Lens, body, couple of lights, ta 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 ta. So because now I have the kit, I need to practice, right? Yeah. Previously, all the shoots I had been doing were pure natural light. So at this point, I decide, you know what? I might as well attempt to do strobe photography because I want to grow my craft. I want to get better. I want to become, I want to be able to take a picture in the dark because otherwise, I mean, what's the point? So I have this kit. I have my lights, etc, etc. I ask a beloved human being, a friend of mine called Silayo, call her and say, I have this kit. May I shoot you just as a test? Great. Wonderful. Uh, we agree date, time, place. Great. I go, we meet, I shoot. During the shoot, I think, this is fantastic. I love it. And then I bring the photos onto my laptop screen. Oh dear Lord, that was... I, I genuinely... So when I was sending those photos to her, I was embarrassed for myself. Because, and I've never used this word publicly, but I have it in my head. There are two types of shoots. There are good shoots and shit shoots. This was a shit shoot. <laughs> to this day... So what I do is, when I have completed my round of editing, etc, etc, I back my photos up and then wipe them off my laptop. To this day, I still have those photos on my... That is the one folder I have refused to delete. As a reminder of both A, how bad I was at that point in time with using this entire new system of mine, and B, how far I have come to this day. And as a reminder to just keep quite literally every day I learn. I look for tutorials. Every single, as soon as I arrive home, one of the first things I do is look for tutorials. I need to learn something new, practice something new, do something new. That was the day for me where I, it was a, yo, I cannot be this bad ever, ever again. Fear for me is, <laughs> it's still a part of my existence. No lies. Pretty much every single day. At this point in time, for instance, my... Uh, current fear is i want this thing that i love i want it to grow into something that not just pays my bills but actually makes an impact on other people and allows other people as well to pay their bills because i want it to become a whole system of its own uh, the reality of my kenyan existence at this point is uh, i need to worry about carry i need to worry about paying my landlord, I need to worry about very many different things. So it's a thing that I exist with on a day-to-day. -day. However, I devised a system that is both ingenious and reckless, where A, and I have been learning increasingly how to do this again, A, I trust my gut. If my gut says, go this way, even when logic hasn't caught up yet, I will go. Because what I've come to learn, and even uh, science has proven it is, a lot of times what we 
perceive as gut is our subconscious mind having processed something well in advance of our conscious mind realizing what it is. So I've learned how to listen to that little voice. So I A, trust my gut, but B, and where now I put fear in check, is as soon as that thought arrives, we move. Which is why it's both ingenious and reckless, because you're moving essentially to with what people think is without a plan. However, it's not really without a plan because I have identified what my pillars are. And as long as I am moving within those pillars, then I am on track. Whether again going back to my chess analogy earlier on, as long as I'm not moving upon three steps ahead, I'm still moving. As long as I'm not moving a knight diagonally rather than in an L shape, I am still moving. So I I know what my strengths are. I know the pillars along which I am moving. Whether the immediate next step makes sense or not is of no concern. If I succeed, yay! If I fail, also yay! Because I have learned something from it. And that's the approach that I have taken and it's been a very liberating approach. The fear still exists, yes, but I'm now no longer entirely afraid of failing. It's now more immediately the thought comes up, what if I fail? Immediately that thought comes up, it's immediately countered with, yeah, if you fail, it's fine. Are you still alive? Are you still walking? Have you learned something? Have you made the effort to dissect why you failed and picking up that lesson and moving forward with it? So I have transformed the fear into a tool of learning as well, rather than making it a crippling force in my existence. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. You know the bit in Marcus's story where he quit his job when his boss just rained down on him a day before his grandmother's funeral. It reminded me of a place I used to work in and it was my mom's memorial. So we were all going to travel up country to like our home home to have this mass as a family in honor of my mother and we were going to do the you know the grave areas so put the tombstone and all of that stuff i had to apply for leave because our home home is like an hour past kisumu so by road from nairobi to home takes like seven hours nice and clean seven hours on the road And so there was no way I was going to like do this in one day. Plus, I wanted to be able to be with my family at that time. How was my leave request denied? And I had specified exactly why I was taking the leave. And I had leave days, but they denied it. And it was a whole back and forth because I was like, you can deny it all you want. But personally, individually, I am going. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why that happens at workplaces where they forget that your employees are humans with feelings and these things happening in their lives. Instead of being a support, they're just so, I hate to use this word over and over, but toxic. Anyway, away from that, don't want to put you in a terrible mood. (laughs) I would love to hear from you if you want to be featured on Legally Clueless, if you want to tell your story. So step one is you sending me a WhatsApp audio note to the podcast hotline number, telling me a bit about the story that you want to share. Step two is based on your one minute audio note, I will send you 
personalized story prompts to help you figure out the story a bit better. And then step three is you and I set up a Skype call date. Ooh. (laughs) Wow, Adele Sarando. Where I'll record you as a storyteller. A point to note though is that you don't have to share your name when you're sharing a story because some stories are actually quite personal that I've received. And so that's an option, of course, for you not to disclose your identity. But um, yeah, the podcast hotline number is in the description box, but I will tell it to you now as well. It's plus 254-768-628-790. It's in the description box, so you will find the song of the week there. You will find all the resources from the Gender-Based Violence Helpline, Childline, the one for counseling. And I'll also put a link to the Safaricom page in case you have any questions around how to transfer your bonga points to help people who are in need of food items during this weird, weird, hectic, overwhelming corona times. However, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Join the Legally Clueless tribe on Instagram at Legally Clueless Podcast. And thank you to everybody who tags me um, in the screenshots of them listening, in the videos of them doing their makeup as they're listening to the podcast, as in, yo, Canvas and Ink. Big shout out to you. Those tags, I don't know if you guys get it when I say it, but they really make my day. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.